If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're going to be there. Jeff is not here this week, obviously, but he will be back next week. Um, and so we're going to take a short break from the book of Romans and go to the equally as challenging and equally as fun book of Ecclesiastes um, this morning. Uh, but like I said, Jeff will be back next week and we'll pick right back up with the book of Romans uh, then. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 7 through all the way the end of the book, chapter 12, verse 14. And this whole passage is about remembering God, remembering who he is and allowing who God is to orient and to change the way that we live and who we are. And so I want to read for us this morning before we get to Ecclesiastes 11. We've got a lot to do before we get to Ecclesiastes 11. So just put your finger there. We're going to be in Isaiah. We're going to be in Deuteronomy. Um, but before we get to Ecclesiastes 11, I want you this morning to be enamored with your God, to stand in awe of how beautiful and mighty he is. And so I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 6, which says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost." For I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Remember our God, the only true God, the Lord Almighty, is high and lifted up. He's not lowly. <laughs> he is high and lifted up. His train, the train of his robe, filled the temple. Angels cover his face and his feet. Our Lord, the only one true God who spoke all things into existence. He sustains all things by his sovereign foreknowledge and he redeems all of creation through his son, Jesus Christ, is holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Remember also, how holy and perfect our God is that when Moses came before him at the burning bush, God told Moses to take his shoes off because the place that he was on was holy. That's how holy our God is that his holiness permeates to everything around it. Remember also when Moses hid in the crevice of a rock when God passed by and God allowed Moses to look on his back. And then you'll remember that when Moses came back down the mountain, his face was so radiant that the people asked him to cover it. And just looking at his back, can you imagine how beautiful our God is if that's his back? Remember that God is bigger than we can ever fathom and no word will ever do justice in describing him. We need to remember our God lest we forget. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to read the whole thing. Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 1. I think it's on the screen. It might be. Yeah, there it is. It says this. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way. Right there I said, what should they remember? Because this is what they need to remember as they are entering into this land. 
that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your feet did not swell over these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care then, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and you become full and you built good houses and you live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, take notice of this, beware lest you say in your own heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Here's what happens here in Deuteronomy 8. The people are about to enter into the land and Moses is telling the people, remember where you came from before you enter into this beautiful land full of everything that you're going to need. And when you're there, don't think that you got there by yourself because you did not. So remember the Lord your God, lest you forget the Lord your God. And so that's the challenge for us this morning. Morning, Remember the Lord our God, lest we forget the Lord our God. So let me set up this very depressing book of Ecclesiastes for you real quick, and then we're going to jump right into Ecclesiastes 11. It can be a very depressing book if it's read outside of the context of what Solomon means. And by this, I mean the whole theme of the book is Ecclesiastes 1-2, which says this, Vanity of vanities, the preacher said, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Doesn't that just uplift you this morning? Everything is vain. (laughs) It's not worth it. This is the theme of the book. But Solomon in this book of Ecclesiastes is essentially reporting on an experiment that he has conducted throughout his life. And the findings of that experiment is in this book. And we tell it, he tells us what this experiment is in chapter one, verses 12 through 14. It's on the screen. It says, I, the preacher, which is Solomon, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom by all that is done under heaven. 
It's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, it's all vanity and a striving after the wind. Like I said, you read just that portion of it, and you're like, man, this is not what I wanted to read today. But when we understand that this book is like a letter written from an old man to a younger man, an old man who has lived a life full of hurt and full of pain, to a younger person who's just now starting to figure out what life is, This old man, he sat down and he is imparting wisdom to the next generation, hoping that this younger generation would not live and experience the same hurt and the same pain and the same troubles that Solomon had experienced through his searching. So the experiment is this. Solomon wanted to find meaning for life. He wanted to find purpose for his life, and he wanted to find that in this world. And so in order to do so, he pursued everything that could possibly be pursued. Throughout the book, you would see that Solomon pursued power. There's a bunch of Ps, just that way it's like helps you remember, right? He pursued power and possessions and politics. That's all the Ps. Now we're in different letters. He pursued sex and drinking and comedy and money and knowledge. All of these things as a way to gain meaning for his life. He allowed himself to pursue everything in order to find meaning for his life in something of this world. And you know what he says at the end of it? It's all meaningless. Solomon had everything. He had the largest houses, the most servants, more wives and women than anyone could ever imagine, more wealth than we could fathom, more power and authority in his pinky finger than we would ever have, the best food, the best music, the best and the biggest of everything. And at the end of his life, he still says, this world has nothing to offer me. Now, this is kind of depressing that everything in life is meaningless, that nothing gave meaning and purpose to his life. However, I really don't think this is actually depressing. I think this is just reality. Because the truth is that nothing in this world will ever, ever bring meaning to our lives because nothing in this world is meant to satisfy us apart from God himself. So when we take good things like money or food or drink or sex or jobs or music or comedy, whatever, we take God's creation and we elevate them to God-level things in our lives. We engage in what's known as idolatry. Essentially, this book is all about avoiding idolatry. Don't pursue the things of this world. Pursue God himself as the one who will totally satisfy us. John Calvin would say that the heart of man is a perpetual idol factory, meaning that we constantly just create new things to worship. Maybe you've sought not, or maybe you've not sought to find meaning in life from the things that Solomon brings up in the book of Ecclesiastes, but regardless, your heart is constantly turning away from the Lord and running to whatever you think would please you more than him. And so I feel like this helps us set the scene a little bit for Ecclesiastes 11 and 12 today. And so I'm going to pray and ask that God remove any presuppositions or biases that we might have as we read his word and that he would bend our hearts away from our desires and ideas towards what his word says. So let's go to the Lord and pray right now. Well, Lord, I pray right now that you would guide our time in your word. I pray that my words would fall away from our minds and that you would allow us to hear only your word. I pray that you would remove any biases or preconceived notions that we might have as we approach your words, that we might not be like the man in the book of James who looks into the mirror, sees himself, and walks away unchanged. I pray that you would bend our minds towards you, that you would soften our hearts to the things that you say in your word, 
Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, and it's in the name of Jesus I pray all these things. Amen. Well, now we're in Ecclesiastes 11. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. We're going to read these first three verses, 7 through 10. It says this, it says, Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. I have three points this morning. The first point is this. Enjoy your life in youth and in old age. Solomon begins talking about remembering our creator by talking about youth and old age as if it's a gift. In verse 7, he says, Light is sweet and it is pleasant to see the sun. Seeing sunlight is a gift. It's pleasant for our eyes to see it. There are places in the world that go months or weeks without sunlight. I can't imagine that. But Barrow, Alaska only has a couple months of the time where they receive sunlight. Can you imagine waking up in total darkness? Do you think that God creates things for us just in order for us to enjoy them? Think about colors. Why did God create the color yellow or the color green or the color red or the color blue or steel blue or whatever your favorite color is? Why did God create that color? Or what about smells, both good and bad, like fresh cut grass or a fresh baked apple pie or a baseball field or a Neyland Stadium bathroom? Maybe that one's just me, bad memories. (laughs) But colors and smells, they serve a purpose. Absolutely they do. But I like to think that colors and smells and sunlight as well are just two examples of way that God has created things for us to enjoy his creation. What I mean by this is what a parent, I'm not a parent, so maybe you do do this, I don't know, but would a parent give their child a toy and never want them to play with it? If you gave me a Buzz Lightyear doll, or action figure, whatever you want to call it, I'm not going to take it and put it up on my shelf to never touch it again. I'm going to take that Buzz Lightyear doll and, or action figure, whatever, and I'm going to run with it and I'm going to play with it and it's going to be banged up and it's going to have stuff all over it and I will have enjoyed that Buzz Lightyear doll. If you gave me a Buzz Lightyear toy and the expectation was that I box them away, never take them anywhere, never play with them, two things happen. One, you're disappointed that I did not receive as much joy out of playing with the toy as I possibly could have. And two, I'm disappointed at how useless the toy is. It's just there for looks. God gives us gifts. He gives us our lives and he wants us to enjoy them. John Piper would say this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So when we're satisfied in God, which means his good gifts as well, we glorify God the most. So when we're totally delighted in the Lord, he is more honored in us. So when was the last time that you stopped and gave thanks for seeing the sun? It's pleasant for your eyes to see the sun. When was the last time that you stopped and genuinely gave thanks to God for waking you up? It's a gift. When was the last time that you slowed down and literally smelled the roses? We don't have any out here anymore. We got rid of them or else you could do it on your way out. When was the last time that you allowed yourself to delight in the Lord and all that he has done for you? 
We get so accustomed to waking up. We get so accustomed to seeing the sun, to seeing colors, to seeing or to having smells that fill our nose. But light is sweet. It's pleasant. It's a gift. And it's meant to be enjoyed. Your life is a gift. Your life is a good thing. Your life is meaningful. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So if you're a human being in the room, which we all are, then this morning, I want you to hear me say this. You are valuable. And you're not valuable for anything that you do. You're valuable because God created you. And what that means is that you have intrinsic value. So if you're tempted to believe that your life is not a gift, that your life is not meaningful, your life has meaning. Your life has value. And it's not because of anything you do. But he continues in verse 8 by saying this, So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So if you're older in the room this morning, and I'll let you decide if you're older or not. I'm not going to put a stamp on it that you're old after this point. But if you're older, then you should rejoice in the fact that God has blessed you with a long life. Rejoice in your many years. Again, I'll let you decide if you've lived many years or not, because I don't want to offend anyone by saying that 40 years is a long time or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 is a long time. You know if you're old or not. (laughs) So then rejoice. Rejoice in every day that you've been given because it's truly a gift from God. But in the midst of our rejoicing and in the midst of celebrating your long life, remember that the days of darkness will be many. Days of darkness is figurative speech referring to death. So here's the somewhat depressing part, depending on how you look at it. As long as our lives are here on earth, the days that we are not on this earth will be much longer. Now, the reason I say it's depressing, depending on how you look at it, is because if your life is only this life, then yeah, you have no hope. But if your hope is in Jesus Christ, then you have life after death. Therefore, in light of the finality of our lives here on earth, we should live our lives to the fullest and seek to remember God all throughout our lives. When we understand and fully grasp the reality of our own ends, our own death, then we begin to treasure even the smallest things even more. The truth is, is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed one more breath. And that's the youngest of us to the oldest of us. So then essentially, this morning's cup of coffee could have been your last morning cup. Did you enjoy it? Did you savor it? Did you thank God for it? Your dinner last night, that wonderful steak that you made, whatever it was, did you savor it? Did you give God thanks for how wonderful his creation is? that he allowed you to enjoy it for as long as he had. God does not want us to be hedonistic or like the Epicureans who would say, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon comes to this resolve in Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 25. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, meaning his work. 
This I also saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Somewhere along the way in Christian culture, we've adopted this terrible idea that God is a cosmic killjoy that desires for us to live out our days as hermits, not enjoying anything in this life and in this world. That's not what we're called to do. Fellow believers in the room today, God wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to savor the things of your life because they are gifts. And the problem with telling people, enjoy your life, I think this is the problem, and I think this is why we don't tell people to do it, is because we're scared that they hear that and then they would go and live with no regard to the other commands of God. Right? Is that our fear? Go, enjoy your life, live however you want to. But we can't reconcile, enjoy your life with what First Peter verse 15 and 16 says. But as he who's called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. All right. How am I supposed to enjoy my life if I'm supposed to be holy? <laughs> Enjoying our lives does not mean that we do not also pursue holiness in every area of life. The idea of enjoying life and abusing the gifts of life and not pursuing holiness leads us to verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation or anxiety from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life or vanity. So then when, we sh- when should we rejoice in our lives? Well, we should rejoice in our old age like we just talked about. And now also we should rejoice in our young age, in our youth. And the temptation is if you're younger, say 20 or 30 or even younger than that, you have the temptation to kind of wish your life away. At least I did when I was, <laughs> when I was 15. For example, I might say stuff like, well, if I only had blank, I would be happy. Anybody ever made a statement like that? If I only had blank. Or when I get married and have a kid or have a house or have a pool, then I'll be satisfied. Maybe you've never made these statements. Maybe it's just me. Or once I graduate high school and I'm in the real world, that's when life really begins. All the rest of this is just kind of practice. Youth in the prime of life is a gift. So we need to embrace it now because eventually it's going away. Young people, myself included, students in high school, college people, young professionals, slow down. We all are busy running the rat race, trying to get to the next thing, and we're missing out on what God has for us right now. Slow down and rejoice. Slow down and enjoy what God has for you right now. Slow down and remember your creator now. By slowing down in the prime of our lives, we remember our creator now, lest we forget we save ourselves from heartache, from anxiety, from troubles that may come later in life as a result of decisions that we make today. We're going to see later on that getting old is not for the faint of heart. It's It's hard. It's full of pain. It's full of suffering. Solomon says to walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes in verse 9. So essentially, it sounds like what Solomon's telling young people to do is to do whatever makes them feel good and to pursue whatever their hearts desire. But then he adds a modifier statement to it, right? He says, walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know for all these things God will bring you into judgment. So young people, enjoy life's prime and the opportunities that you have right now that others do not have 
Do what you want to. Seize the day. But keep in mind that everything you do, you will have to face God for. The exhortation to follow one's inclinations in verse 9 does not endorse at all reckless, the reckless following of every impulse we have. Awareness of divine judgment turns the pursuit of joy away from crossing over into sin. Be holy, for I am holy. The second thing I want you to see this morning is in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and it's this. Remember your creator in your youth. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. I'm not going to read through it because of time and also just because we're going to work our way all the way through it verse by verse. Is that okay? Perfect. So this passage, there's eight verses, and it's one long run-on sentence. So it's meant to be read all in one breath, but I can't do that, and neither can you. And so we're going to take it uh, snippet by snippet. And there are many interpretations of this passage. And so uh, what Solomon, so we're going to see what Solomon's talking about in verse one. So let's just read it there because we're going to see what he's talking about. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which I, you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So Solomon says, remember your youth, remember in your youth, your creator before the days come when you say, I no longer have any pleasure in them. You know what that means? When you get old, <laughs> right? I have no more pleasure in them, being days in the years, meaning at some point in your life, you're going to stop thinking that this life is a gift and you're going to wake up and be like, I woke up again, <laughs> right? This final poem is a series of metaphors that exhorts the reader to remember their creator in the days of their youth before old age and pain and suffering set in. Because the reality is, is that when we get older, life becomes a lot harder. In our young age and in your old age, turn your face to Jesus and set your eyes fully on him so that we allow our hearts and our desires to be changed by him. Remember your creator lest you forget. So a lot of commentators and scholars believe that these metaphors in this run on sentence refer to decaying and the aging of the body. So hear me when I say this. I'm not saying this about people that are older. <laughs> okay? I'm not saying these things. This is what Solomon is saying and what other scholars believe as well. So verse two, remember your creator before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. This is figurative speech more than likely referring to blindness. So as you age, your, your sight starts to leave you and clouds begin to blur your vision, possibly referring to a type of glaucoma. As you age, you begin to lose your sight. Verse three, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble, as you age, your hands begin to shake. You're not as strong as you once were. You can't grip things like you once could. And the strong men are bent. As you age, the, ma the major muscle groups of your body are no longer as strong and sturdy as they once were, and it leaves you bent over, struggling to move. And the grinders cease because they're few. As you age, your teeth, your grinders, will fall out and decay. <laughs> you will not chew food anymore because your teeth are gone. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and those who look through the windows are dimmed. Again, this refers to the eyes, possibly referring to there being no sparkle or hope in your eye anymore. Also probably again referring to a type of blindness. And the doors on the street are shut 
when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. This refers to your ears, to your hearing. And somehow you can't hear anything, but then in the middle of the night, you hear one little and you're up. Verse five, they're also afraid of what is high and terrors that are in the way. As you begin to age, you become more feeble. And a fall as a younger person is not as big of a deal as a fall as an older person. The almond tree blossoms. The almond tree refers to, to hair. The almond tree would blossom very white and then it would fall out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so this refers to as we age, our hair falling out and our hair changing colors. The grasshopper drags itself along. As we age, we begin to have aches and pains across our body that we don't know where they came from. And we, yeah, <laughs> not even going to do it. And desire fails. Desire more than likely refers to sexual desires that may fade as you get older, as well as to desires of other things in life that you no longer have. Because a man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the street. So aging and getting older is a natural occurrence in life. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. All these things mentioned in this passage will happen to all of us unless we die before we get there. So to sum up, sum up verses, the first five verses of chapter 12, not that you need me to sum it up for you, but I'm going to say it again anyways. Before we begin aging... And before life becomes harder, before our sight goes and our hands tremble and our muscle groups fail us, before our teeth become fragile and fall out and decay, before our hearing leaves us, before we become feeble and more fragile, before our hair turns white and falls out, as we develop aches and pains, and then all of our desires go away before that moment, remember your creator. As one pastor said, we come into the world as a baby and all we do is eat, sleep, and poop. And if we live long enough, all we will do is eat, sleep, and poop. <laughs> Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fat fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. These statements, the silver cord, the golden bowl, the pitcher, the will, the dust, the spirit, all refers to death. If you're a human being in the room, which we established earlier, we all are, then you are going to die. Death is approaching us. And as we age, it is more rapidly approaching us. We are all marching towards our decay. And before we get to that moment of decay, remember your creator because that decay and that aging process is not easy. And not only that decay and that aging, but then you add in, you have a family and you've got other people that you have to care for and all the things that they have going on in their lives as they age, getting old is not for the faint of heart. But here's what all this means. Getting old is hard. It's painful. It's not for the weak. Older people that are in the room, again, I'll let you decide if you're old or not, but if you are in, older in the room, you're living this reality out right now. You're living out this, pre, this progression. And if you did not remember your creator in your youth, then it's not too late. It's not too late to turn your eyes to Jesus. But if you are older in the room today, would it not have saved you a lot of heartache and pain to turn your eyes to Jesus when you were younger? 
Jesus Christ can change your desires and give you fullness of life even in your old age. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're useless. God still has a plan for your life. Older saints that are in the room who have walked through life and who've seen a lot of stuff, would you help us younger people to orient our lives to Jesus right now? Would you help us? <laughs> because we're so blinded with what, by what's right in front of us that we can't see the bigger picture of what's going on, what God is doing in our lives. Would you help us younger people, us graduates, our co us college people, us young professionals walk through life with dignity and remember our creator? Would you help us? Young people in the room, you're about to begin living out this reality of decay and age. This is coming for you. Your youth is not going to last you forever. So while you're still young, Remember your creator, and in doing so, save yourself from the heartache and pain that may be experienced through your life. Turn your eyes to Jesus now. The last thing. How do we remember, and why do we remember our creator? This is the end, verses 9 through 14. Some people believe that Solomon did not write this, but regardless, the words are still true for us. Besides being wise... The preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like the goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh." The book of Ecclesiastes is full of challenging statements that we might not agree with, stuff like enjoy your life. But the book of Ecclesiastes is full of wise, wise sayings that Solomon spent a long, long time developing. These words written by Solomon were given by one shepherd. And we as followers of Jesus now understand that all of scripture is divinely inspired by God. Meaning that we know that Ecclesiastes, even though it was written way before Jesus, is also divinely inspired by God. So when he says one shepherd, given by one shepherd, it should make us think that this one shepherd is Solomon, but it's also our father in heaven. John ten eleven says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Our one true shepherd laid down his life for us and shows us that he is true wisdom. Young people, pursue Jesus Christ. You want to be wise? You want to know the will of God for your life? Then study the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That means that every word in this scripture that we have right here is divinely inspired. The word of God. And so even the words of Ecclesiastes or Song of Solomon or Revelation, these are all things that we need in order to be built up in teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. You want to remember and rejoice in your youth or remember your creator in your youth and in your old age, read his word. Read his word, grow in wisdom. We have to go no further to grow in wisdom and knowledge of our creator than his word. 
I said at the very beginning of the morning that Solomon had engaged in an experiment of trying to find meaning in life. And here in verses 13 through 14, he gives us the final conclusion, which answers the question of how and why should we remember. Verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commands. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. How do we remember our creator God, lest we forget him? By fearing God and keeping his commands. Young and old people this morning, fear God and keep his commands. Be satisfied in Jesus Christ alone, not in the things of this world. There's a song, it just made me think of this. There's a song, it's called uh, Blessed Assurance. It's by City Light. And the, the, course of this, or the verse of the song says, um, all my attempts to be satisfied were vain and empty until the moment that you rescued me and your love saved me. The only thing that can satisfy us is Jesus Christ. Obedience to God and his commands help us to not forget. Fellow believers in the room, be obedient to the Lord. Prioritize keeping his commandments, not for your salvation, but in order to prove your salvation. Care about your holiness so that you all might remember your creator God and not forget him. Why should we prioritize remembering our creator? Because everything we do will be brought into judgment. Every secret thing, whether good or evil. So then what do we do with all of this this morning? If you're a believer in the room, young or old, then I encourage you, keep remembering your creator. From the youngest of us to the oldest of us, remember your creator God who created you and be enamored with him. Set your face on Jesus Christ. Do not look away from him. Spend time remembering your creator so that you don't forget him and lead yourself into judgment. If you strayed away from walking with Jesus, if you've turned your eyes off of Jesus, then I encourage you this morning to turn your eyes back to Jesus and remember your creator lest you face judgment. And if you're not a believer this morning, then I think your takeaway is to recognize that there's a coming judgment. And unless you have the finished work of Christ credited to your account, you'll stand guilty before a holy God. All this remembering is really a call for us to turn our eyes to Jesus who became sin on our behalf so that we would know no sin. And all this talk of remembering is a call for us to remember Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on our behalf. So I will end with this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what was delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and of his grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for the chance that we've had to open up your word. God, for the chance that we've had to spend time in your word. God, I pray right now that you would help us to remember you, to not forget you, Lord. God, I pray that you would work on our hearts, Lord, that we would turn our eyes to you, both young and old in the room. And Lord, I pray that us, those of us that are older in the room, would come alongside the younger people and help them walk through life to remember their creator. 
And God, for those of us in the room that are younger, I pray that we would prioritize you now and not wait until later. So Lord, I pray that we would turn our eyes to you this morning, that you would receive all the glory and all the honor. And it's in your son's name I pray all these things. Amen.